Well, that's like I shared with you guys that poll where they asked parents, should we be teaching your children Arabic numerals in school? And and 89% of parents said no. Hi, welcome to Outrageous, a podcast where we talk about race, media, culture, politics, and everything in between. My name is Chris. I'm in New York City, and I'm joined by my very best friends, Trisha in LA. Hello. And Jason in DC. Hey there. Hi. Back to recording at night. Yay. Uh, Two thirds of us are topless. (laughs) Trisha, join the party. She's close. She's close. Trisha, join the party. You can almost, with her hair, you can almost like pretend the straps (laughs) are. She is drinking, so we'll see how this hour goes. Uh, <laughs> I'm a light snack. A light um, snack? You were guzzling something earlier before we started. What is that? What's your gimlet? drink tonight? Is it a gimlet? No, not a gimlet, actually. It's just some sparkling wine. I had some old. It's a little bit flat, I think, <laughs> actually. <laughs> still good. Sparkling mm. wine. Flat, mm. it's still good. Did you see the news that... They had to shut down some flights in the UK because the landing strip had melted. Oh, Lord have mercy. No. Oh, man. It's so hot there. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to be another incredible summer of bad things, right? I I texted my friend and I was like, how you doing? And it's 40 degrees over there, Celsius, right? Which is like 100. It's over 100. Wow. And, you know, those white people are not accustomed to it. And I was like, not for nothing, but I was like, I've been in European electronic stores. They sell air conditioners. What's the problem? And he was like, well, we only need it like four or five days a year. Exactly. And I was like, not for nothing, You're but when need you it. need it, nothing else will do. <laughs> right? Why don't they do like what you do in Dubai, which is just go to the malls? Well, that's what I said. I said, you should go to the theater until the sun goes yeah. down at the at, at least or libraries or our favorite museums. Mm, but yeah, less, less gun violence. So. Yeah. You know, this is terrible, but I've gotten so used to, to seeing and hearing about wildfires in the western part of the United States that I've gotten numb to that. And now, like, hearing about, like, France and Spain on fire feels, like, more apocalyptic apocalyptic to me. I don't know why. It's just, like, I'm not used to those news stories. I'm like, oh, my God, like, those countries are burning up? Like, we are really in trouble. I mean, not for nothing, but that's also a white supremacist lens, right? Because the environmental disasters happening in Africa and South America are just not reported. That's true. <laughs> I mean, we care very much when Australia's on fire and Europe's on fire. Uh, we, you know, we don't care too much about just like sort of how the climate's becoming more arid. You know, the Sahara is creeping. It is creeping. It's, you know, and the, the Amazon is burning. So, Trisha, what well, were you going to say? I was looking at the news this morning and they just kept doing all the temperature things. And I was like, wait, was this a scene from that movie? That was, that was the Oscar Rage movie last year, which is like the climate change movie. And I just kept thinking to myself, um, I, it escapes my mind right now. It was this sort of like... Um, you know, this big, broad kind of comedy about how oh. difficult it was. Oh, it don't was the, look up. Don't look don't up. Look up. And there was a moment of me going like, everyone was talking about how, wow, you know, climate, 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 you know, the administration's not doing enough, blah, 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 all these different kinds of things. And then suddenly we have a summer coming that is enraging. And I was like, okay, I can't take these biblical tales. I cannot. <laughs> 
This is like <laughs> it's biblical. <laughs> oh no, nowhere safe. I mean, nothing is a metaphor anymore. I can't do it. We're well, as I in it. as that tweet that I sent to you like an hour ago, Trisha said said, "Stay strong, people in England experience this heat wave. Just remember, your ancestors conquered entire countries in this heat. You'll be fine." <laughs> Brutal. True Brutal. though. True. Brutal. True. You know, and this like talk about our topic today but before we get there you know we did we talk about this in the podcast the origin of like the pith helmet and why that was such a problem when former first lady wore it I don't know, like, oh, yeah i because, remember like, there was a problem with the wearing of it but i didn't really go into the history of it the history of it is that when uh, european colonizers um and genocidal maniacs went to the continent of africa uh the the conditions were so unlike what they thought they they acted as if they were in a foreign alien environment so they wore like suits right as if they were in outer space right and the pith helmet was like the thing that there was netting coming down from because they thought they need to be shielded from whatever was like turning these people black and the sun was so hot and so like it has a like this history of like colonial nonsense like nonsense um but i just i, I just, it was just high fashion thought it was high fashion though. well then it became high fashion because okay. europeans traffic and cruelty and they're like okay this will be fun uh for us but yeah but it's funny like you know now that weather has come home to roost so adapt or die don't know what to say Stop it. that's not a joyful thing that's just I, a, i'm not no, taking just joy a in it signal that the planet is burning yeah up, i'm not taking joy in it i'm just saying like this is it seemed like you're taking a little joy in it. No, listen. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. I just the, the check has come due. I've been saying that for a long time, right? It's Everyone, come due for all of us. Yeah, that's the problem. Is that we yeah. were hoping just the, the descendants of the colonizers would suffer, but no, they've made sure mm, that taking everybody, everybody made sure that people of color will be the first to burn up as we move from the equator in both directions, burning everything to a cinder. Lord, this is a depressing start. This let's, is dark. No, let's let's talk about what you you were going to talk about LinkedIn, and we were like, no, 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 wait. There's no point in talking about anything unless it's being recorded. What were you going to say? Let's go to our happy place, LinkedIn. 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 Well, you know, it's funny. Like LinkedIn was someplace that I didn't really engage because I was not really a career person in that way. I didn't pursue career in that in in that kind of like figure out who your contacts are, build your relationships, build your networks. You know, and of late. LinkedIn is like the one place that I go on and I like, you know, connect with people. I respond to DMs there and I share an article here or there. And somehow or another that depresses me. <laughs> Wait, what, what about it depresses you? I know. I didn't, I didn't think I that didn't was think that that's where you were going. <laughs> well, because I don't know. Does it suggest a transition in, in who I've become? Am I a oh, LinkedIn God. person now? You're old. I know. Well, although, no, to be honest, I think the people who use it well are young people. They're always like, I'd like to make an announcement. I am doing an internship or I've accepted an internship here. I've, I've done this. So it's like they've really been taught how to utilize LinkedIn as a career resource. And so um, so I, but but for me, it was just something I kind of ignored through my 20s. And now I feel like I'm on the platform that is for the olds and I therefore am an old <laughs> it is I, I you know the, your point about young people using it is really interesting because they grew up with this yeah so this idea of using a social media for your job just seems natural to them yeah. someone like me who like didn't experience my space my space until I was in my 20s it feels 
really alien. And I tell you, my LinkedIn isn't even updated. You know, I, I run, I run two different organizations. Like I run two different businesses, like with me at the head of them. And I, I, I don't know if either of them are listed on LinkedIn. (laughs) You know, I get work. Uh, people contact me to come speak and do stuff. And they're like, well, let me look, look you up on LinkedIn. I'm like, please don't, (laughs) please don't. I'll tell you anything you need to know. Just don't look me up. Uh, Jason, you're, It's it's the only social media I do. Okay. Which, which again, I mean, let's, Wait, what's that mean? What happened? She's Trisha. Say what tell Jason what you think of him. Go ahead. Jason doesn't do the fun social. I I, I I boycott social media except for LinkedIn. And the only thing I don't I don't put articles on or anything like that. I just use it to stalk people. Like if I'm about to oh, meet gosh. with an elected official oh, or a prospective customer, and I want to see do I have something in common with this person that I could fair. start the conversation with. That's that's ninety percent of why I go on LinkedIn. That's totally and it's helpful fair. for that. It's and, very helpful for and that. And that's what I do as well. Like I go on LinkedIn. The only problem is that when you look at someone on LinkedIn, they totally can see immediately that you looked at them. <laughs> yeah, it's not Facebook. It's not know. you know. This is not, so it's like it's a little. You're like, not hiding oh, in the bushes, staring at them. You're right in front of their face. Yeah. It's really, <laughs> God, I guess I should really. I should. I mean, really you're a professional, it. Chris. I'm a professional updated. person. I just I'm not big on social media. Like I use it. I mean, you see my Instagram. It's I don't think it's necessary. Like, I don't, I really, it, oh, it is useful for certain, LinkedIn is useful for certain things, but there are plenty of people who are perfectly successful that do not have a presence on LinkedIn. LinkedIn has taken the place of the business card and the resume, though. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. That's its real function. Yeah, yeah that's how I, I don't think it. people are using it to make friends. People are no, no. purely using it. Well, and recruiters and find jobs. Yeah. And recruiters. yeah. And recruiters. Yeah. And recruiters are using, but if you're getting business without it, I just don't think you, that's a sign. You don't need it. Is anyone using oh, social media to make friends in our age group? Still? No, not for nothing, but in our age group, don't we have enough friends? I mean, it's a little challenging. I, I add one, a friend, one friend every five years or so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably a little. I'm probably a little quicker than that, but not I don't as think quick I've as added a friend in 35 years. Um, no. I, I probably add a friend I'm a year. Dead serious? Maybe Are I you probably. Serious? I probably add, well. Once you have kids, Trisha. Oh. Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, you're not at you're not at bars. You're not going to fun events. At least not unaccompanied. You know what I mean? Mm, like your focus think? has to be somewhere else. I make probably about. I add like one new friend every nine to sixteen months. Right. So, but even still, like, remember when we were in our twenties, it was like, you'd go to a bar and like meet someone and then like you're hanging out with them afterwards. Let's move on to topics. Mm-hmm. Fun things so, now. Oof. Don't, don't tell the audience <laughs> a fun conversation. That's setting not false happening. expectations. Yeah. Setting false expectations. So let's talk about, um, there is a movie that's out now called where the crawdads sing and it's written by Delia Owens. It was a best-selling book and now it's a, uh, Oh, not award-winning, but it's a movie that's selling out the box office. The interesting thing is that we read an article in the Atlantic about Delia Owens and her husband, Mark Owens. It details how the Owenses had spent some time in Zambia, apparently hunting poachers. ABC did a story of them while they were doing the story. ABC had filmed the couple allegedly murder a poacher on camera. It was Turning Point, the ABC News Magazine show. Anyway, as we're reading the article, what's really struck me 
was sort of the freedom and sort of the range of movement that this couple, this white couple was able to have in the African nation of Zambia. They came in with weapons. They were able to hire people. They were hunting human beings, poachers, and taking care of them in any which way that they saw fit. Jason has a question as far as what do we do with this author's works. I think we can talk about that. But also, I want to talk to the two of you about white saviorism and how in 2022, although we did just acknowledge it's a dumpster fire, how in 2022, these sorts of white savior activities still happen like point blank in the light of day. Just for a little bit more background, this is an open murder investigation in Zambia. Neither the Owenses or ABC is cooperating with the Zambian government, even though ABC has footage of a murder. They just decide, nope, we're not cooperating. That's fine. So Jason, I want to start with you because you brought this to us. First of all, will you be seeing Where the Crawdads Sing? Uh, I will not be seeing it. I look forward to this conversation and talking about some of the bigger themes. I remember, you know, we talked about like, Birth of a Nation, that the more recent movie, and it got critical acclaim. And yet there were these allegations about the filmmaker that may, he may have been involved in some sexual misconduct years before. And, you know, I decided, I think a lot of people decided not to see it, um, you know, not wanting to potentially uh, financially support someone who may have been guilty of that kind of thing. And when I saw an article, I have not read the book, I've not seen the movie, but when I saw an article about this scenario that you just laid out, Chris, I felt like, and I don't want to minimize at all sexual assault, not minimizing at all, Mm -hmm. but the allegations here, I would argue, are far more severe. And yet I don't hear a lot of people saying, I'm not going to go see this movie. I'm not going to go buy this book. In fact, just the opposite. The book's doing very well. The movie's doing very well. And I feel very strongly like I do not want to financially contribute to this person. I don't know for sure exactly what her role was, but there are enough questions, just like there was with the, the filmmaker with uh, Birth of a Nation, that I don't want to participate. I'm kind of frustrated that I'm not hearing more of that. Fair. Trisha? I heard about this movie um, maybe a couple weeks ago. And so I was like, well, I looked at it. I was like, this is the kind of movie that I normally would have seen when I was in, a, in my 20s. You know, it's got all the drippy things that I like. And then I was like, well, I don't know. Let me just go read the book. I'm going to read it, read about it on Wikipedia so I can see if this is a story. So it's a pretty involved storyline. And then as a throwaway in an, an article, it was like, oh, and by the way, it's sort of strange, but we think the author might actually have committed the murder herself at oh some point in time, right? It's like a complete throwaway. As an aside. And like, as an aside. And I was like, wait a minute, wait, this is a legitimate claim. And I think at the time, the author, I think at the, an author of a piece was suggesting that maybe the book, the movie might not do well because, you know, th- there might be some steam gathered around this. So to Jason's point, there was no steam around it. So there was no steam around it when she published her book and there was no steam around it when they optioned it for a movie. And now that it's come Coming out. And I think one of the things that I'd say that's interesting about it is how the larger issue about around this is sort of, I think she's been washed clean by Reese Witherspoon giving her a stamp. Because remember, Reese Witherspoon put her in a, um, in a book club. And so I think that that's kind of what has happened here, to your point, Jason, is that someone gave her cover. Maybe she didn't intend to do it, Reese, obviously, but she's given her cover by like putting her in this kind of sanitized space, which is a book club space. And so I think that's the real difference here is that no one gave that last person cover. 
to to assume that this is basically like a kitchen table book. Like I have a, I have a feeling that this book is meant to be like the assumption is that most of the people reading it are going to be white women. It's going to have some compelling elements like that, right? And it's been given it's been given cover. So we're not looking at any of the political ramifications that are being raised right now around this book. That's really interesting. I have to say, I did not even think of it that way. That's a very insightful point. It is the political ramifications why I think, just to piggyback off what both mm-hmm. of you said, I think mm-hmm. it's the political ramifications that are giving her cover. You know, for instance, you know, Woody Allen you can't even discuss him in polite society. You know what I mean? Theoretically, yeah. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> theoretically, but these people, took it upon themselves yeah. to get their own security force, go to an African nation, hunt and kill other human beings, and then leave, just just leave, and then refuse to cooperate with anything. They can't, they're not extradited because US and Zambia don't have an agreement. I think the fact that this was committed, these murders, these acts were committed in an African nation, right? Possibly against Africans, Right. Not for nothing. This is going to come off harsh, but like, I just don't think the public cares that much. I think even the distance, the distance between who the victim is and who the actual perpetrator is, is is really far. That's so distancing. All the elements around this story, even in Turning Point, when they were introducing the story to their audience, they're like a tale about a regular couple in a strange (laughs) place. You know what I mean? Like. What is what is that setting it up for? And then just also in the article, they discuss like just the way that Owens writes about Africans in her book as if they're childlike and asking ridiculous questions. And they they went and met the people. The author of this article met the people those stories were based on. And they're like fighter pilots and educated people who have are worldly because Africa is part of the world. I mean, yeah, Trisha, Reese Witherspoon and the popularization of that, all of that. But let's not forget, a lot of people even have trouble understanding that there are nations in Africa. Like how many times people just discuss Africa as if that's something you can discuss? I think people just can't even hold this idea in their head. Like this woman did what? Where? Hmm? How would we know that? The, you know, it's such a dark continent. You know, there's all these ideas around Africa and around people's agency, white people's agency in, in the African continent that I think is giving. That's actually the cover. And will any of this impact or any of her future book or movie deals? Please. I mean, do I need to ask Probably that question? Probably not. No, okay. because her book is back to number one. But I mean, I think for me, the, the thing that I, I keep coming back to is who's read this book. Because I think to, to Jason's point, I think the reason why we're seeing the difference between what happened is because the other guy, the other person was a black guy. Like he's going to be far more punished. Which guy? Um, Birth of a Nation director, right? Yes. Yep. You know, the Birth of a Nation director, like he had, I mean, obviously what he did was egregious as well. And I'm not, I'm not saying for him to have gotten a pass, but it is interesting to watch how this person's fame is going to continue to increase. Her book is back to number one on Amazon's list. Her movie has come out and making money. There's going to be, I mean, it'll be, it'll be tricky and odd to me if she ever receives any consequences. And I think to your point, Chris, it really is about I mean, I hate to say it, a kind of abdication of responsibility to the borders of that country 
that, you know, what happens in that country mattered. And then also the assumptions about who those people were that live there and whether it matters that someone was killed or not. I mean, it was interesting at the end of, I mean, I don't want to we're not giving anything away. But one of the things that I think happens at the end of the article is the person is like, well, they came back to America and tried to do the same thing here. And we said, not here. <laughs> you know, sort of. And so there's definitely that interesting contrast of like, what are you permitted to do as a white person out in the world and what we will give you license to do and whether you'll be held accountable or not. And I think that's what's kind of a little bit shocking. I didn't really even, I mean, why didn't this come up when the book became a success? For all like, the reasons she, that this, I said. I mean, it's, but. but you know what? I just have to say this, right? What? I, I am stunned that we're even having this conversation. Do you know what I mean? What like, I'm mean? just, I'm just stunned that white people could be like, I feel so passionate about animals being killed thousands of miles away that I'm going to hire a security force, you know, cross international lines, hunt down and kill people. And that's perfectly fine. Do you know what I mean? And then they just get on with their life. Like, like, I'm not saying I understand things like what happened with like Ahmed Aubrey, right. Uh But it's the same kind of energy. Like, what do you, like this idea, like, this is the idea, the Ahmed Aubrey thing, where like those white men killed him because he was jogging through their neighborhood. Uh-huh. Like, I'm not saying I understand that, but it's almost as if these white people just think like this African nation was their neighborhood. You know, like yeah. they, they felt perfectly fine just going over there and doing whatever the fuck they want. Like that's wild to me. And the yeah. fact that like Woody Allen, these people are not, not just laughed out of polite society or scorned, but literally arrested extradited and dealt with i mean it's white supremacy not it's perfect the perfect storm of white supremacy and white saviorism perfect and i don't even know what to do about it at this point it's just frustrating i agree with that i think about the white savior angle and in some ways it's like white saviorism but a step worse where it's not the white savior going to save the black people it's the white savior going to save the animals from not the even, black people. Not even like, you know, and that they, they, someone was quoted in the article saying like the Owens's sort of whole tone was basically like beautiful continent. Shame about the Africans, though. You know, but this- I mean, but, you know, it's interesting. Let's let's just be real honest about it, though. I mean, I think what I think is strange is that people wanted to live the dream of the story she painted here so much that they were willing to turn a blind eye to her history. Because that's what Reese Witherspoon said. This reminded, her book reminded me of To Kill a Mockingbird, you know? I mean, and so I think this is about the idea that I want to escape into this world that this author has created for me. And I don't really need the reality of who she is and what she might've done to come to compete with that. And I'm willing to actually put it aside because her art, her art has done something for me. But, you know, I mean, she's been investigated since 2010. The original piece was on, on her was written in 2010. So the article in The Atlantic that Jason shared, apparently the, the person is now the editor-in-chief, the editor-in-chief right. at, at the, Atlantic, the Atlantic, yeah. but actually was when he wrote the piece the article, originally in 20, yeah, 2010. This was an issue back well, then. But by and the so, way, the ABC show was 1996. 
So she's had a history for a really long time. Right. And you know what? Then then it makes sense to me that this would become a movie then. Because she's never had any she's never experienced any consequences. And she never the publish then the publishers didn't see any problems with adopting her and taking her on. And they've been fully rewarded because I think her, they said her book has been on the New York Times yeah. bestseller list for what 168 weeks plus. So so clearly like I think what's interesting now, though, is the kind of current media landscape that we live in, where I think that this is a little bit of a comeuppance for the author, right? And I don't know what that will mean for her, because now it's kind of like the fame of the movie is now brought, like, shun a light back onto her. And so I'm curious about what that will mean in terms of whether there'll be a push for her to be extradited. What, you know what I mean? Like, what what can be generated in this moment? Chris looks like he doesn't oh, think it's possible. But I, there is a lot of media I attention think, suddenly I on her. I think you are being so thoughtful and careful in your analysis of this. Like, I, I, well, in, this is in, who I am. I'm no, thoughtfully no, no, careful no, all think, the time. But I think you're giving too much like you're as as if the the readers or Reese Witherspoon are are weighing the fact that like oh well these these charges but it reminds me of this honestly there was media attention right and I have heard about it before Jason sent it but the media attention around what's his name Nate Parker and Birth of a Nation and his alleged rape allegations that was front page well it stopped the movie it stopped the movie it's, in its tracks it was splashed all over the place yeah, do you know. know what I mean yeah, yeah. and I saw one link at the bottom of my newsfeed about this woman. And I think that is political. That is absolutely, if she had, if she and her husband had gotten some weapons, hired some people, gave them the weapons, flew to Belgium, um, assassinated someone and then flew home, honey, honey, BBC, (laughs) CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, everyone would be talking about that. So like, I mean, I think the careful weighing that you're doing is like sort of like, well, I think people are weighing the fact like this is well, old and like, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that's think actually happening. I think if you sit outside the movie theater, I think maybe one in one in 15, 20 people will even had any inkling but this that this is was what happening. I'm saying, but this is what I'm saying, though, because listen, I don't I mean, like I generally follow movies. Right. So I knew about the birth of a nation thing. Mm-hmm. I never even heard of this book. Like Me period, either. right? I literally so- saw the ad for this movie less than a week ago. Exactly. So for me, I also think that there's something weird to me about this is that is there like a, I feel like, is this like yoga culture? Or is this like those Facebook groups that I just don't know anything about? Like, you know, like there's like a whole genre of experiences that are happening that I just didn't know. Like I never heard of this book. It's obviously not for me. Like it's obviously not for, I don't think it's for no, black women. No, I'll I don't think that. it's for people. Of I color. don't think it's for black people. Right. Like, so, and I don't think it's even for women of color. Right. So I was just like, this is a, this is, a book that's playing in an entirely different space and that's also I think the intriguing thing right that means that the rules of engagement in that space is totally different right like I mean this reminds me of the documentary about the clothing company Lululemon let me say I never heard of these clothes I should know everything but there's like a set of things that happen in the world and I'm just like wait a minute Am I so out of touch that this whole set of experiences are just lost to me? I mean, that doesn't make you out of touch. It's just you're saying it over and over again. It's not for you. I know. But you know what? I was a I'm a book. I was a book reader. There are books that I would know about that I didn't read. Do you know what I mean? But this book completely flew under my radar. I had no idea about it. And so the fact that it's coming up, I feel like there will be people like us who are like, what? 
it will generate a kind of public reaction. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying whether it'll ha it'll have an impact, but I do think there are people like us who had this was invisible too, and so it'll raise our 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 danders up, and we'll be like, why why are we doing this? Why is it so precious? You know, because it wasn't for us in the first place, and so it was invisible to us. But now our critical gaze is entering the chat. Mm -hmm. My what I'm what's going through my head as I hear this whole conversation, and this will sound infantile, but we just are very tolerant of white vigilantism and anti hello BIPOC vigilantism. Hello. Thank God that we convict you know that the the killers of Ahmed Arbery were convicted. That is such the exception and not the norm. Like my true. goodness, I'm reminded. This is That's I don't true. want to go too much on a tangent, but I remember hearing the story of. There was this fight over fishing rights in Canada where some indigenous peoples wanted yes. to start fishing outside of the season and, you know, not a big fishing operation, like very small scale. And the white fishermen like burned down all their stuff. And I remember, A, no one was charged. And B, the, their response was, well, we were just doing what, you know, the police should have been doing if they were enforcing the law. And that was like the end. Like, oh. Well, since the police should have been doing it. And that's that's like basically, I mean, George Zimmerman, like that's what we hear over and over. It's like, oh, well, it's okay to do it if like, so these poachers were trying to kill animals they shouldn't have been trying to kill. So feel free to fly into that country with all those guns and kill people. Like it's, it's just- So American. It's, it's so American. It's so white saviory. It's so um, individual, think, rugged, you know- I mean, yeah. I know, but I think the part of it that's really striking to me is how it was really invisible to us. Which part? The whole thing. Just the whole was, phenomena. Yeah, but... The whole phenomena of this, right? Mm -hmm. The phenomena of the book, the phenomena of the fact that they were potentially criminals. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, like... It's true. It's only because a couple of journalists happened to care enough about this and pushed it out that we know about it. That's a great point. But you know what? To be fair, actually, I saw a piece this morning, and I guess this ties the knot around, which is that there had been um, an, a set of internal documents about how the folks, how the police wanted Uvalde to be covered. And if not for a parent saying, you know, I, they didn't let us do a thing to a journalist and the journalist's like, what's going on? What do you mean? What the the alternate vision of this world that is now completely unpacked for our eyes would have never come to light. And so that just, again, continues to strike me as it's, it's a little bit shattering when you think about it, right? Because look at this, I'm talking about this whole world is invisible. And Uvalde, Uvalde could have easily translated in that exact same way, where this whole layer of information that we now have about it would have mm -hmm. been lost to us, if not for the curiosity of one or two journalists going, what did you say, parents? What? Explain to me what mm -hmm. went on? And then just kind of kept going and digging and digging and digging right and so i don't know what that's supposed to mean it, it's a little uncomfortable well, to it me. highlights how essential journalism is and it's scary as i say that because journalism is so under fire in so <laughs> many places to some extent here included like mm -hmm. that is scary it's terrifying it <sighs> is terrifying and it also suggests to me then again that I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, to your point, Chris, I find the whole thing somewhat disturbing because I think the fact that the publisher chose to go ahead yeah. 
was the permission granted at that point? You know what I mean? Which I now understand where now when people are talking about don't give the, you know, don't give a book right to all these people who are in this particular administration or that particular administration. But it's like the washing happened from the moment the publisher accepted. It's a great point. Uh, And and now there's just, you have this whole team of apologists. Now you have actors who invested time in it and got paid for it. And so you now have all these people defending it because they're, they're, they're a part of the, they're complicit in it. Like it's, Oh, wait, I, I have to interrupt the both of you. The washing happened when they went to another nation, murdered no, no, someone, then different. left that, and was being and it was investigated. It was discussed between like 99 yeah. and 2010 yeah. and nothing happened. That was before she got the book deal. I That's mean, when I the know. washing happened. I she mean, was the cleared. washing happened there. Right. But she left. It didn't happen. Nobody talked about it. She had left the country. That's fine. Yeah. But when you go, but but think about it. She then had an interaction with um an um an institution, the publishing yeah. industry, right? And the publishing industry might have done some due diligence on this book, right? Like, what's mm-hmm. your background? Who are you? And then that is where the the kind of like your past makes no doesn't matter anymore. Like well, I don't understand. I don't is, understand how she was allowed to leave the country. First what, of all, that's the biggest issue. That's what she I, was what allowed I'm to saying, leave the country. But what I'm saying is what I was saying earlier is that that's when it becomes political. Because you know, she sat down across from the publisher and said, listen, I want a six-figure deal. And by the way, you're going to do your due diligence and find that I murdered someone in Zambia. <laughs> and the publisher looked at her and said, mm, that's not going to be a problem. Well, I don't know. I, I'm not presuming to know how that played out, but I think that that's a uh, my, little bit interesting point, to me my about point being how that happened. like, we don't find that alarming. Like I said, if she'd gone to Belgium and done it, the, the publisher would well, have been I like, listen, know. we found this thing. We can't go forward. We cannot go forward well, with listen. you because you're controversial. This was not controversial enough. Well, listen, I already know that because remember the remember the young girl who was operating on children? Um, <laughs> there was a there was a um, she was like she was there in um, the Peace Corps of some sort. Where? Um, in, in, in an African country. And okay. she um, she came back to the United States. And then later on, there were there were there were charges raised against her because they found out that she pretended that she had medical skills that she did not have oh, and was, but i think it's part of that culture of like well, i mean i don't want to culture exactly anyways, right yeah. that's part of like that culture so what you're talking about is this notion of like the expectation exactly. that you have exactly. you have the right to enter countries do whatever the and heck do whatever you want, you want. Like we, we tell young you people leave- that yeah. We tell disaffected young white people with very little skills that they should go to an African nation and build bridges, dig wells, educate yeah. their children. Like, so when the when the publisher did their due diligence and saw that this had happened, maybe they were like, well, this is fine. I mean, this is fine. I mean, we do, they we do this all the they, time. I mean, they just it's just not that it. big of a deal. It just didn't seem like a big of a yeah, deal. It didn't seem like a big of a deal. deal. But I do love Jason's point. To Jason's point now, now you have all these people up as apologists. Because now you've 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 well, invested now an time. Industry. Now there's you know an you've invested time. You've invested time in that character. <laughs> and a lot of yeah. people are making money, and they want to continue to make money. Yep. And so of course they don't have a choice. So uh, let's leave that on there. I think I know what all of our anti recommendations will be, but uh, I'm getting ahead. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, let's move on to media recommendations, which is something that you've seen, heard, read, or experienced that you think other people should see, hear, read, or experience. Um, Trisha. Oh man, I just I just saw something that I love, but I saw it twice. So I can't tell you what my other recommendation. Go to Jason and I'll come back. Uh, Jason, I'm going to mention two things. You'll know why in a second. 
The first one I want to mention, though, is I heard this podcast, an episode of How I Built This, with a guy named Donnell Baird, who's from Brooklyn, and created a company called Block Power, which I can't do it justice, but he created this company to bring green HVAC systems to low-income housing across the country. It's such a win-win-win. I would work for this guy in a second. I actually went on the website. I'm not qualified to do any of the things he needs, but um, man, it was awesome. And then the other thing I'm, I'm doing too, because what I'm about to say, it is live theater, which Chris has warned us not to do. But I think I told you too, I was go- we, Habby and I were taking the kids to see American Prophet, Frederick Douglass in his own words, which uh, recently uh, opened in a theater here in DC. I do think it's going to go on the road. So I think people will get a chance to see it. Um, it, it's not the kind of musical that like you walk out and like you're clicking your heels and it's songs you'll always remember. But I have to say it was very good storytelling. I feel like I learned a lot. I felt like I knew something about Frederick Douglass had read a lot of his stuff, but I learned a lot and it's, it's very powerful. It's very compelling, very, cool. very relevant to the current day. I will say. Interesting. If I'm in DC, I'll see it. Trisha. Um, so I saw, I went back and thought about the movies I've seen. I haven't seen a lot, of course, but I did see Maverick, the Tom Cruise movie. Now, it's a kind of lukewarm recommendation. I was going to say, which way is this going? It was very well reviewed. I haven't seen it. Did very well. well let's Tomatoes. see if it's very well reviewed okay, by Trisha. Let me, okay, let me, let me tell you what this movie will do for you. You will watch this movie and you will say to yourself, wow. We really watch movies like this in the 80s and was totally okay with this. Like the woman is completely thin in terms of character development. She is simply there to make the guy feel better, soothe at all turns. And it's just about the machinery. It is like one big ad for the military, one big ad for the machines, all of it. It is completely thin in terms of plot, but it is all nostalgia. It is just Tom Cruise running. I mean, it that's what that is. I know every time I see that it passes like all the box office, like I think this is now the highest grossing movie I think I saw um, outside of like the MCU stuff, I think. And I was just like, what is going on? But it is a total, I, I hate to say it, it is totally a MAGA movie. Like it is totally nostalgia. Like go, let's go back to movies that were about nothing like uncomplicated pure popcorn and so i don't understand why it's well reviewed in that way because it's there's nothing there it is thin as paper but it is definitely trapped in a box it's time trapped in a box that's what that movie is would you say that people should see it i would say you would because i would say if you are just one of those people that want to go see something big and brash and sprawling on the screen and you will not think about it any the moment you leave the theater it will immediately puff out of your mind it's definitely it's definitely that like you know and for you know in a world where it's really complicated right now i could really see the no, value of something that like that right it's like it's just go in. Yeah. it's easy cotton candy Woo. it's like wasted calories well that, that's my recommendation a wasted that, calorie that- movie that was an anti-recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> she said people should see it, though. I don't know. It's kind of a. She said. Pe- she said. For. She said people would want to see it. Whether they should see it <laughs> is a different. That's an answer to a different <laughs> I question. Didn't, I didn't, you want to see it when I when I described it? It doesn't. You're not. I mean, listener. 
have at it. Do you yeah. want to see this movie? Let us know. It's like I could be doing ten different things Saturday. Yeah, Is well, that what I want to do. I'll see the movie I Trisha was like, so. it's like a movie you forget instantly. And I had lots of problems with it. Anyway, enjoy. What? Well, people keep going to the it. Fast I... and Furious movie, so I don't know. Yeah, there's, there's no there's seven problem with it. It's just seven. There are nine of them. There's a billion of them. Nice. A billion of them. Or ten uh, if you count Sean Hobbs. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> Anyway, I, uh, I'm going to keep All my right media recommendation. Uh, I'm going to keep it timely and I'm going to keep it uh, quick. I'm going to recommend the website and the Instagram handle No White Saviors. It is run by a Ugandan woman. And the, the website is under reconstruction and design because they had some hacking issues. But the Instagram handle is always providing information calling out white people who are going to Africa, African nations for photo ops, uh, looking at you, Madonna, uh, and all, all sorts of stuff. So it's just a great follow. I would, I would recommend following it and checking it out for yourself. No white saviors. So there it is. Uh, I kept mine on brand. That was good, everybody. That was, that was, that, that was, was good. good. Oh, also, my anti-recommendation is whatever this fucking movie is, where the crawdags uh, kill poachers or whatever it's called. I, <laughs> I haven't know, I seen care. it. You can't do an anti-recommendation. For oh, like I have told you many a times, I have opinions <laughs> about things that I've never experienced, and they're valid. So there it out loud. is. No, I mean, I think it's fair to say no one should see that movie. If you see it, you're a bad person. I mean, that's person. kind of what our topic was. That's yeah. kind of what we <laughs> I mean, and I'll say it again. If you see it, you're a bad person. And on that note, everybody, <laughs> see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.